Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad Baruch Shem Kehud Malkuto Le'olam Va'ed Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of His kingdom forever and ever. Amen. Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. Today is Wednesday, August 17th. Journey with me through the entire Bible in one year, focusing on the biblical calendar, the Sabbath, the feast, and the Torah reading cycle. We have many voices, interpretations, and points of view out there, but there is nothing like listening to the crystal clean, pure Word of God in your life. It is living water for your spirit, as it is written in Romans 10.17. So then, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. When we listen to the spoken word of God, it is living and powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Hebrews 4.12 The word of God is alive, it is powerful, and it renews our mind and builds up our spirit. Are you being blessed by this ministry? Please consider supporting Daily Audio Torah. You can make a one-time or a recurring donation by going to dailyaudiotorah.com and then click on the Give pick on the navigation menu. You can then make a secure online donation there. Thank you for your prayers, and thank you for your support. Now let's continue our journey through the entire Bible in one year. This week we are reading from the New Living Translation for the Hebrew Scriptures and for the Brit Hadashah. Today we continue the Torah portion, Ekhev, and it means, on the heel of. Deuteronomy 9, 16-29 There below me I could see that you had sinned against Yahweh your Elohim. You had melted gold and made a calf idol for yourselves. How quickly! You had turned away from the path the Lord had commanded you to follow. So I took the stone tablets and threw them to the ground, smashing them before your eyes. Then, as before, I threw myself down before the Lord for forty days and nights. I ate no bread and drank no water, because of the great sin you had committed by doing what the Lord hated, provoking Him to anger. I feared that the furious anger of the Lord, which turned him against you, would drive him to destroy you. But again, he listened to me. The Lord was so angry with Aaron that he wanted to destroy him too. But I prayed for Aaron, and the Lord spared him. I took your sin, the calf you had made, and I melted it down in the fire and ground it into fine dust. Then I threw the dust into the stream that flows down the mountain. You also made the Lord angry at Taberah, Massa, and Kibroth Hatavah, 
And at Kadesh Barnea the Lord sent you out with this command, Go up and take over the land that I have given you. But you rebelled against the command of the Lord your God and refused to put your trust in Him or obey Him. Yes, you have been rebelling against the Lord as long as I have known you. That is why I threw myself down before the Lord for forty days and nights, for the Lord said He would destroy you. I prayed to the Lord and said, O Sovereign Lord, do not destroy them. They are your own people. They are your special possession whom you redeemed from Egypt by your mighty power and your strong hand. Please, overlook the stubbornness and the awful sin of these people, and remember instead your servants Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. If you destroy these people, the Egyptians will say, The Israelites died because the Lord wasn't able to bring them to the land He had promised to give them. Or they might say, He destroyed them because He hated them. He deliberately took them into the wilderness to slaughter them. But they are your people and your special possession whom you brought out of Egypt by your great strength and your powerful arm. Nehemiah 12.12-13.31 For the dedication of the new wall of Jerusalem, the Levites throughout the land were asked to come to Jerusalem to assist in the ceremonies. They were to take part in the joyous occasion with their songs of thanksgiving and with the music of cymbals, harps, and lyres. The singers were brought together from the region around Jerusalem and from the villages of the Nedophathites. They also came from Beth Gilgal and the rural areas near Geba and Asmaveth, for the singers had built their own settlements around Jerusalem. The priests and Levites first purified themselves. Then they purified the people, the gates, and the wall. I led the leaders of Judah to the top of the wall and organized two large choirs to give thanks. One of the choirs proceeded southward along the top of the wall to the Dung Gate. Hoshiah and half the leaders of Judah followed them, along with Azariah, Ezra, Meshulam, Judah, Benjamin, Shemaiah, and Jeremiah. Then came some priests who played trumpets, including Zechariah, son of Jonathan, son of Shemaiah, son of Mattathiah, son of Micaiah, son of Zachor, a descendant of Asaph. And Zechariah's colleagues were Shemaiah, Azarel, Milalai, Gilalai, Mei, Nathan. Nathaniel, Judah, and Hanani. They used the musical instruments prescribed by David, the man of God. Ezra the scribe led this possession. At the fountain gate they went straight up the steps on the ascent of the city wall toward the city of David. They passed the house of David and then proceeded to the water gate on the east. The second choir, giving thanks, went northward around the other way to meet them. I followed them, together with the other half of the people, along the top of the wall past the Tower of the Ovens to the Broad Wall, then past the Ephraim Gate to the Old City Gate, past the Fish Gate and the Tower of Hananel, and on to the Tower of the Hundred. Then we continued on to the Sheep Gate and stopped at the Guard Gate. The two choirs that were giving thanks then proceeded to the Temple of God, where they took their places. So did I, together with the group of leaders who were with me. We went together with the trumpet-playing priests, 
Eliakim, Messiah, Miniamon, Micaiah, Elonai, Zechariah, and Hananiah, and the singers, Messiah, Shemaiah, Eleazar, Uzi, Jehohanan, Malkijah, Elam, and Ezer. They played and sang loudly under the direction of Jezariah, the choir director. Many sacrifices were offered on that joyous day, for God had given the people cause for great joy. The women and children also participated in the celebration, and the joy of the people of Jerusalem could be heard far away. On that day men were appointed to be in charge of the storerooms for the offerings, the first part of the harvest, and the tithes. They were responsible to collect from the fields outside the towns the portions required by the law for the priests and Levites. For all the people of Judah took joy in the priests and Levites and their work. They performed the service of their God and the service of purification, as commanded by David and his son Solomon and so did the singers and the gatekeepers. The custom of having choir directors to lead the choirs in hymns of praise and thanksgiving to God began long ago in the days of David and Asaph. So now, in the days of Zerubbabel and of Nehemiah, all Israel brought a daily supply of food for the singers, gatekeepers, and Levites. The Levites in turn gave a portion of what they received to the priests, the descendants of Aaron. On that same day, as the book of Moses was being read to the people, the passage was found that said no Ammonite or Moabite should ever be permitted to enter the assembly of God. But they had not provided the Israelites with food and water in the wilderness. Instead, they hired Balaam to curse them, though our God turned the curse into a blessing. When this passage of the Torah was read, All those of foreign descent were immediately excluded from the assembly. Before this had happened, Eliashib the priest, who had been appointed as supervisor of the storerooms of the temple of our God, and who was also a relative of Tobiah, had converted a large storage room and placed it at Tobiah's disposal. The room had previously been used for storing the grain offerings, the frankincense, various articles for the temple, and the tithes of grain, new wine, and olive oil, which were prescribed for the Levites, the singers, and the gatekeepers, as well as the offerings for the priests. I was not in Jerusalem at that time, for I had returned to King Artaxerxes of Babylon in the thirty-second year of his reign, though I later asked his permission to return. When I arrived back in Jerusalem, I learned about Eliashib's evil deed in providing Tobiah with a room in the courtyards of the temple of God. I became very upset and threw all of Tobiah's belongings out of the room. Then I demanded that the rooms be purified, and I brought back the articles for God's temple, the grain offerings, and the frankincense. I also discovered that the Levites had not been given their prescribed portions of food, so they and the singers who were to conduct the worship services had all returned to work their fields. I immediately confronted the leaders and demanded, Why has the temple of God been neglected? Then I called all the Levites back again and restored them to their proper duties, and once more all the people of Judah began bringing their tithes of grain, 
new wine and olive oil to the temple storerooms. I assigned supervisors for the storerooms, Shelemiah the priest, Zadok the scribe, and Padiah, one of the Levites. And I appointed Hanan, son of Zachar, the grandson of Madaniah, as their assistant. These men had an excellent reputation, and it was their job to make honest distributions to their fellow Levites. Remember this good deed, O my God, and do not forget all that I have faithfully done for the temple of my God and its services. In those days I saw men of Judah treading out their wine presses on the Sabbath. They were also bringing in grain, loading it on donkeys, and bringing their wine, grapes, figs, and all sorts of produce to Jerusalem to sell on the Sabbath. So I rebuked them for selling their produce on that day. Some men from Tyre who lived in Jerusalem were bringing in fish and all kinds of merchandise. They were selling it on the Sabbath to the people of Judah and in Jerusalem at that. So I confronted the nobles of Judah. Why are you profaning the Sabbath in this evil way, I asked? Wasn't it just this sort of thing that your ancestors did that caused our God to bring all this trouble upon us and our city? Now you are bringing even more wrath upon Israel by permitting the Sabbath to be desecrated in this way. Then I commanded that the gates of Jerusalem should be shut as darkness fell every Friday evening, and not to be opened until the Sabbath ended. I sent some of my own servants to guard the gates, so that no merchandise could be brought in on the Sabbath day. The merchants and tradesmen with a variety of wares camped outside Jerusalem once or twice. But I spoke sharply to them and said, What are you doing out here camping around the wall? If you do this again, I will arrest you. And that was the last time they came on the Sabbath. When I commanded the Levites to purify themselves and to guard the gates in order to preserve the holiness of the Sabbath. Remember this good deed also, O my God. Have compassion on me according to your great and unfailing love. About the same time, I realized that some of the men of Judah had married women from Ashdod, Ammon, and Moab. Furthermore, half their children spoke the language of Ashdod or of some other people and could not speak the language of Judah at all. So I confronted them and called down curses on them. I beat some of them and pulled out their hair. I made them swear in the name of God that they would not let their children intermarry with the pagan people of the land. Wasn't this exactly what led King Solomon of Israel into sin? I demanded. There was no king from any nation who could compare to him, and God loved him and made him king over all Israel. But even he was led into sin by his foreign wives. How could you even think of committing this sinful deed and acting unfaithfully toward God by marrying foreign women? One of the sons of Jehoiada, son of Eliashib, the high priest, had married a daughter of Sanballat the Horonite, so I banished him from my presence. Remember them, O my God, for they have defiled the priesthood and the solemn vows of the priests and Levites. So I purged out everything foreign and assigned tasks to the priests and Levites, making certain that each knew his work. 
I also made sure that the supply of wood for the altar and the first portions of the harvest were brought at the proper times. Remember this in my favor, O my God. 1 Corinthians 11, 1-16 And you, Corinthians, should imitate me, Paul, just as I imitate Christ. I am so glad that you always keep me in your thoughts and that you are following the teachings I passed on to you. But there is one thing I want you to know. The head of every man is Christ, the head of every woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. A man dishonors his head if he covers his head while praying or prophesying, but a woman dishonors her head if she prays or prophesies without a covering on her head, for this is the same as shaving her head. Yes, if she refuses to wear a head covering, she should cut off all her hair. But since it is shameful for a woman to have her hair cut or her head shaved, she should wear a covering. A man should not wear anything on his head when worshiping, for man is made in God's image and reflects God's glory, and woman reflects man's glory. For the first man didn't come from woman, but the first woman came from man. And man was not made for woman, but woman was made for man. And for this reason, because the angels are watching, a woman should wear a covering on her head to show she is under authority. But among the Lord's people, women are not independent of men, and men are not independent of women. For although the first woman came from man, every other man was born from a woman, and everything comes from God. Judge for yourselves. Is it right for a woman to pray to God in public without covering her head? Isn't it obvious that it's disgraceful for a man to have long hair? And isn't long hair a woman's pride and joy? For it has been given to her as a covering. But if anyone wants to argue about this, I simply say that we have no other custom than this, and neither do God's other churches. Psalm 35, 1-16 O Lord, oppose those who oppose me. Fight those who fight against me. Put on your armor and take up your shield. Prepare for battle and come to my aid. Lift up your spear and javelin against those who pursue me. Let me hear you say, I will give you victory. Bring shame and disgrace on those trying to kill me. Turn them back and humiliate those who want to harm me. Blow them away like chaff in the wind, a wind sent by the angel of the Lord. Make their path slippery and dark, with the angel of the Lord pursuing them. I did them no wrong, but they laid a trap for me. I did them no wrong, but they dug a pit to catch me. So let sudden ruin come upon them. Let them be caught in the trap they set for me. Let them be destroyed in the pit they dug for me. Then I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be glad because he rescues me. With every bone in my body, I will praise him. Lord, who can compare with you? Who else rescues the helpless from the strong? Who else protects the helpless and poor from those who rob them? Malicious witnesses testify against me. 
They accuse me of crimes I know nothing about. They repay me evil for good. I am sick with despair. Yet, when they were ill, I grieved for them. I denied myself by fasting for them, but my prayers returned unanswered. I was sad as though they were my friends or family, as if I were grieving for my own mother. But they are glad now that I am in trouble. They gleefully join together against me. I am attacked by people I don't even know. They slander me constantly. They mock me and call me names. They snarl at me. Proverbs 21, 17 and 18 Those who love pleasure become poor. Those who love wine and luxury will never be rich. The wicked are punished in place of the godly and traitors in place of the honest. I want to speak to you today from Nehemiah chapter 12 and 13, and we see in this chapter some incredibly brave and courageous actions that Nehemiah took to restore God's temple and to get people back on track with walking rightly before the Lord. I want to zoom in on chapter 12, verse 10. I also discovered that the Levites had not been given their prescribed portions of food, so they and the singers who were to conduct the worship services had all returned to work in their fields. And so basically, the temple services had shut down, and there were no Levites, no singers, no worship leaders to conduct the services. And Nehemiah addresses this. Verse 11, I immediately confronted the leaders and demanded, Why has the temple of God been neglected? And then I called all the Levites back again and restored them to their proper duties. And once more, all the people of Judah began bringing their tithes of grain, new wine, and olive oil to the temple storerooms. So it restores temple services and properly gets the Levites and the singers um, not paid monetarily, but that they get their grain and oil so that they don't have to go work in the fields in, in a secular job, so they can actually do God's work. And then in verse 14, it says, Remember this good deed, O my God, and do not forget all that I have faithfully done for the temple of my God and its services. Then the next thing he addresses is that the Sabbath is not being kept, and they have vendors and merchants and people who sell their goods and service products coming into Jerusalem through the city gate on the Sabbath and selling on the Sabbath. Now remember, the day of the Sabbath, starting Friday sundown to Saturday sundown, is a set-apart day. It is holy. It is a day that we are to rest from our work and to take time to worship the Lord and uh, study His Word and gather with His people. God has put a holiness stamp on this set-apart time. A place can be holy and time is holy, as God defines it. And so in verse 19, Nehemiah states the following, Then I commanded that the gates of Jerusalem should be shut, as darkness fell every Friday evening, not to be opened until the Sabbath ended on Saturday night at sundown. 
And then I sent some of my own servants to guard the gate so that no merchandise could be brought in on the Sabbath day. Verse 20, the merchants and tradesmen with a variety of wares camped outside Jerusalem once or twice. But I spoke sharply to them and said, What are you doing out here camping around the wall? If you do this again, I will arrest you. And that was the last time they came on the Sabbath. And then it goes on to say in verse 22, Remember this good deed also, O my God. Have compassion on me according to your great and unfailing love. So what's the application for us today? Nehemiah had a spirit to bring about reformation, to restore, to bring things back into order, according to God's order. Over time, in a family, or even in a church, a a community or a fellowship, we can slowly drift away from God. And unclean practices, unclean situations, um, worldliness creeps in over time. And it can happen over decades. It can happen over centuries. It can happen over just months. So my encouragement to you is, especially to those of you who are the heads of a household, whether you're the, uh, the father and the husband, the head of a household, or maybe you're a single parent mom. If you are the head of a household, it is upon you to do an assessment, to look at your family, to assess your home, to assess your practices and your lifestyle, and to see if there's anything amiss that's out of order that would be something detestable in the eyes of God. Is there Are there any idols sitting around in your house? Are there any unclean magazines or books or videos that are a defilement that would be greatly displeasing to the Lord? Remove them. Get them out of your house. You have the authority if you are the head of the household. Um, are you keeping the Sabbath? Or after you've been to the fellowship, are you stopping at the grocery store and running errands and buying gas and doing all of those secular things that you could have done on Friday or you could have could do on Sunday or any other day of the week. Now, I'm not encouraging legalism. And if there's an emergency, a genuine ox-in-the-ditch situation, an emergency, of course, you have to, It's the principle is to, to bring forth life. So if somebody has a broken arm or a leg or there's a car accident and you need to get to the hospital or, you know, somebody's bleeding and you need to go to a Rite Aid or a Walgreens to get some uh, bandages or things like that, that's to preserve life and to protect life. But if you're just doing common, ordinary tasks on the Sabbath or members of your family are, you know, you need to set a guard and a fence around the Sabbath to keep it holy. Okay, now for those who might be leaders, of a congregation or a church, of a fellowship. Has something crept into the fellowship that's got ungodly, that's worldly, that's carnal? For example, Christmas trees in the foyer in the month of December. 
Are you keeping the Shabbat or are you meeting on Sunday? And if you're meeting on Sunday, why are you doing that? God's law, God's Torah, his Bible has not changed. Six days shall you work, on the seventh day you rest. And so we need to do an assessment at the family level, the church level, the community-wide level, and see, has idolatry crept in? Has worldliness and carnality crept in? And what do we need to do to fix it, to remove it? to get back on track. And when we go to sleep spiritually, when we compromise, when we allow the worldliness, the pull of the world to creep in, that's when we really start to drift away from the Lord and from his word. And then the enemy gets a foothold. He gets his way in through the door, through the window, through the back door. And then we're in a whole lot of trouble. So we need massive, massive reformation in this nation, in the United States of America, but in many, many nations. We need reformation. The church as a whole has truly drifted far from God. And we need to recalibrate and come back to the basics and come back to the simplicity and the purity of the word of God and keep it by the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit. So whatever your level of authority is, whether you're the head of a household, of a family, or you are a leader in a community or a business, take assessment and walk in the power and the authority and the spirit of Nehemiah and cleanse, clean up the household. Judgment begins with the household of God first, and then he deals with the world. So it's better that we judge ourselves and repent and make things right than to continue to be in sin, and then God's judgment comes in. Better we judge ourselves first and make the corrections, the course correction. Okay, that's all I have for today. Have a blessed day, and we'll see you tomorrow. Shalom. The Aaronic Blessing from Numbers chapter 6, 24-26 Adonai bless you and keep you. 
Adonai make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Adonai lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.